of this story about WeWork, so billion dollar loser. Um, welcome in. Uh, you are currently in New York, I guess. I am. Yeah, I'm here in uh, rainy and cloudy New York City right now. Okay, it's rainy everywhere. So I guess yeah. in this part of the of, of the globe. Yeah. Uh, but thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we are we are very pleased to have you. So um, as we know, we you don't have much time as you are promoting this book. Um, can you maybe briefly introduce us um, and tell us just um, a little bit about the book? Sure. Um, so yeah, as you said, the book is called Billion Dollar Loser, and it, it tells basically the story of, of the rise of WeWork and, and the fall of WeWork um, last year, obviously not completely. The company still exists and we can talk about that. But but 2019 was obviously a, a difficult year for, for the company and for Adam Newman specifically. Um, and so, you know, the book, uh, I, I started reporting on WeWork uh, back when things were going well for the company, uh, back when it was still rising in, in early 2019 and was worth $47 billion and and was elevating the world's consciousness and and all of these things um and and followed the company through that period up through its attempt um at an ipo and and um and and all of the fallout uh from that and and so we've we've tried to sort of tell that story um as as fully as we can so you are a journalist at the new york magazine right uh and different right. rock and roll i read as well um, and some other publications like that? Yeah, I work primarily at New York Magazine um, and uh, I've written for other publications as well. But but with New York Magazine, I, I started uh, reporting on the company um, way back in, in the spring of 2019. And, and we decided to do it because our office in New York City and Soho um, was surrounded by WeWorks. Suddenly, yeah. there were there were half a dozen um, when a few years before um, there there weren't any, and and so we initially, when I in my job at New York Magazine, we just wanted to figure out, you know, what's going on here. This this company is growing very fast. Um, it seems to be worth a lot of money. Uh, we know there's some weird and unusual things, but mostly we just wanted to try to figure out how this real estate business had, had grown so quickly. Okay. So full disclosure, we have talked already together when you were preparing this book. We have. We have. <laughs> as we as we had we were fortunate, I think we we can say that to have uh, to have had Adam at our second conference, Coworking Europe conference. It was in Berlin to use um, almost 10 years ago. And um, it was still the time when they were sending us Photoshop picture of the space. Mm -hmm. we, we were not even sure they even exist. And, uh, but then the story uh, uh, rolled, rolled out and, and, and you, exp you explained all the story about, about this, this, um, this founder, which is, uh, it's more about Adam Newman than maybe we walk first. But uh, um, my, my, one of my first question was, why do you put billion singular in the title of the book? Because a lot of billions have gone away. <laughs> Uh, fair point. Um, I, I think we, um, we we wanted to look at it in, in a couple of ways. On there's a few ways to read the the title, and you hinted at the bigger one. The the, the sort of smaller one is, you know, um, Adam 
got out of the company with the, with a roughly billion dollar exit package. Um, he has not received all of that um, yet, and and may not, depending on how the legal situation works out. But um, and he did that despite the fact that <clears throat> at the end of the day, the the company failed at at, at what he it was trying to do or what it was going toward this IPO. So that was that was one part of it. And then you know. The other part of it uh, is is kind of what you're you're alluding to, which is is the fact that WeWork itself had had lost billions of dollars, um, two billion dollars alone in in 2018, um, and uh, you know we could have we could have put a plural on it, but I think we thought it sounded a little bit uh, cleaner to to put it that way, and and we let you know the reason I liked that title is is that it it helps I think emphasize the point that this is a story about WeWork. Uh, it's also a story about other startups that have lost huge amounts of money um, over the past decade, uh, the Ubers and Lyfts and, and others of the world that have, that have also spent similarly um, extravagantly. So that's yeah, the explanation. So, so, so the book is, um, um, we speak with people uh, familiar with the co-working business, obviously. So WeWork has been around. Um, so when when Adam started this co-working uh, venture, um, a lot of people were at this level. Um, not and, and only he was the only one able to create this global footprint. And uh, um, from the book, one thing I got is that um, still there was this this bragging and this uh, bigger than life style and everything um, that some of us knew and experienced already um, it delivered what it said it was going to deliver uh, in the early days um, again those were things we, we, we heard um, mm -hmm. and but on the other hand there was still a very um, great success in terms of operations still that um, in the book you, you you tell about it you tell about oh they were Putting the cables themselves in the in, in the in the first buildings in the first facilities, um, it's really it sounds really like the typical startup story that we hear from people in their garage, uh, putting things together and uh, uh, and beginning going with no money. Um, and how do you see that still that this this capacity to to achieve things on the operation level? Because opening up so many spaces in such a short time, it's very hard. And they manage to do it. So, what is your look at it? Yeah, I, th I think I think that's all right. I, I mean, <clears throat> if if you want to give credit, which I think a lot of credit is due to WeWork, I think it's in that. It's in this fact that they um, scaled a business um, that that shouldn't have been scalable um, in some ways. You know, as anyone who who runs a co-working space knows, as, as everyone here knows. Um, it's difficult. It's it's a grimy kind of business. Um, building building out space, even building out one space uh, or or even two spaces is is extremely labor intensive and difficult. Um, and and that was kind of WeWork's great achievement, which which Adam always talked about how how you know the company was growing faster. It was a it was a faster physical expansion than than any company in in history. And I, I think I think he's probably right about that. Um, uh, how did they do it? Um, long hours, um, hiring a lot of young people who were who were willing to kind of put in the work and and put in the work to um, you know because they believed in the company because uh, Adam certainly sold a, a vision of of we're going to be all over the world we're all going to be to be rich um, and and you know they certainly tried to create sort of a more efficient. Um, 
way of doing things. And, and that I think was ultimately kind of one of the, the things that didn't quite happen is, is, is there was only so much of the costs of, of this kind of expansion and growth that, that you could shave off um, at the end of the day, um, building out a space costs what it costs and, and there's only so much you can do to make that more efficient and, and cost effective. So that I think as the company grew and grew and grew uh, became one of the problems where, where the costs didn't, didn't decrease as much as they would have needed them to. And so one thing uh, uh, I figured out as well is the role of Miguel, the co-founder of uh, Adam, um, because that, he was not uh, in the front line. Uh, we knew he existed. Personally, I never met him. Um, mm -hmm. And, and um, the, when, when we go through the details and the story, um, he played a pretty big, you, I would say even huge role in the success of Rework, I have the feeling, um, yeah. as, as a hardworking back office um manager that he, he made things happen at the end so uh, would you agree with that that indeed he is he, being more than just one of the, of the of the cog in the successful part of the we walk story and really one of the critical one or, or not you'd nuance that yeah absolutely i i think it, it, you know early on adam was the person who was who was uh doing the pitching he was the one appearing on the live stream at your conference uh early on he was the one out there kind of talking up the vision and, and talking to investors and and things like that and miguel was the one kind of building the business he was an architect by training um he had experience in kind of in construction and, and the building out of spaces So he was sort of uh, doing all of that and, and in the very early days kind of doing all of this sort of back office stuff. So I think he was crucial to the beginning of it. Adam couldn't have gotten this company off the ground without him. There was a certain point in the company's trajectory where um, it, it kind of outgrew Miguel a little bit. And, and he, you know, his expertise suddenly they didn't need a person like him who could kind of do everything. Uh, they needed someone to manage a team of people who were doing everything. Um, and, and that's a different skill set. And, and Adam's kind of skill set of, of pitching the company and salesmanship sort of came to the fore, um, I think, uh, as the company grew and grew and, and as so much of the crucial part of, of what they were doing became raising more and more money. Yeah, that was the, the the main mission of WeWork. Actually, we we see we feel it as well. It's raising money one round after another. I think it, there was a G round or H round. I don't remember the last they, one. Yeah, they got to a G. Yeah, <laughs> and we're talking and, about an H. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, and one thing when we see the first five years of WeWork, um, it seems like things are going right in the right direction. Uh, we see there is the right money. Um, It's a big. I think. I think we spoke about it when we spoke, when you were preparing the book. Um, my feeling is also that it it could only happen in New York City, uh, mm. like the way Apple could only be born in the Silicon Valley. This mm -hmm. this story with real estate involvement uh, could only happen in in New York City. I don't know if if you think so as well. I think that's fair. I think it's interesting. In the very early days, they considered starting in San Francisco. There was when they were kind of looking at their very first space, and history may have been different. I think there's an argument that it could have worked there, but certainly what you needed was was a place, um, you know, a, a high density place with lots of people where real estate is expensive, and and we were provided a, a different solution for that. You know, there aren't WeWorks 
in the suburbs really um and and they've even been slow to kind of expand or they were much slower to expand to to smaller cities where people have plenty of room they don't necessarily want to be confined into a small space so so i do think um you know new yorkers are we're, we're kind of used to used to that in some ways um and also you know it, the the financial crisis uh decimated new york um and, and manhattan and and had rents um you know, rents were much lower than they were. I know that was obviously the case all over the world, but I, I think New York in particular um, was was dealing with that. So I think in certain ways, and, and certainly compared to the other big startups of, of the era, this was very much a, a New York company. And and, and so our, uh, we were saying that um, up to 2015, 20, maybe even 16, um, the, the, the company grew successfully, um, It was pretty nice business at the end. Maybe they were still losing money, but the, the, the plan was rolling out properly. Um, we, we hear also that starting with Google uh, spreadsheets can bring you to the to, to fate of, of a unicorn or decacorn uh, yep. at some time because they started that way as well. And, and for all the co-workers, the co-working space that listen to us, it's, it's also very inspiring. Um, and then they had um, this, you call it, the IT, oh, it was called the, the, the time of the nickel, or I don't know the expression exactly. So term of Manage the nickel, time. yeah. Manage mm -hmm. the nickel, where actually yeah. it was like, okay, cut costs, Um, start to streamline all the manage the, 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 the operation in order to become more profitable because we could run out, run out of money uh, in, in a, within a few months. Do you think that would, this, would the situa situation have stayed like this? We walk with it, would have kept thriving like it started to thrive in the beginning, or it's too short? Do you think the business model has some flaws in the beginning from the beginning on? Yeah, well, there there were of course flaws, and and they've been well covered, and and I think everyone in in this industry probably knows them. Which is, you know, uh, what what happens? You know, we were existed in a in a uh, time when the economy was only getting better, when when business was booming, and so what was going to happen with the moment you kind of uh, flipped the switch and and or didn't flip the switch, but but the economy flipped it for you, and and would would tenants Um, leave WeWork. Um, you know, the other issue was, and this was especially later on, um, and, and where things went off the rails, is they were offering these huge discounts. Um, and, and so it was hard to really know kind of what the actual sort of level of demand and, and willingness to pay for the product um, was. And so I do think that when, when SoftBank came in uh, in 2016, 2017, gave Adam $4 billion to go spend in that way, um, it just pushed the company to do things that didn't totally make sense and, and, and kind of, um, you know, pushed what was already a fast growing company in, into a new kind of level that, that no one had, had been in before. And so I, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to say what would have happened. Certainly many WeWork employees, senior people, wish they could go back to that moment and, and go on a different path. because I think they, they did feel like there was some movement towards a, sort of a more sustainable business and, and trying to build that. But once SoftBank entered the picture and once the company had all this money, there was really kind of no turning back. So that's the paradox. Uh, we have the feeling that's because they've been spoiled by the 
uh, SoftBank Vision Fund money that at, at the end things went wrong for WeWork? Um, or is it too short to, to just summarize it lightly? I, I think it's a huge part of it. I, I mean, you know, uh, it, it's it's certainly not the only factor, but but I think you know the the story of WeWork would be different if if SoftBank were not there and if if that money had not been there to to push the company's growth and force the company to live up to those expectations. You know, once once you bring all that money into the system, the the expectations for the amount of money you're going to produce increase. You know significantly and 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 so and, and in a way that the company was was never really going to be able to totally meet yeah so so um yeah because one thing we we figure out also in the book is uh this this dream of becoming a tech company um I, and when we first met with with adam in the early 2010s um It was already speaking about becoming a tech company and things like that. But here we see how far it went in terms of um, illusion. Uh, they had, uh, you, you, you wrote that they had almost 10, uh, 1,000 people working on the, on the tech. I think at the end, yeah, in 2019. With barely any results and barely anything they did slightly better than any prop tech company with five people that is now in the market. Um, so how do you explain that the He kept doing that way, just just lying to himself, or it was driven by other things. Yeah, I think you know it was certainly driven by you know SoftBank is a technology investor, so part of what they wanted was was we work to build some kind of system, some kind of network that would justify this business in, in a technological way, and they tried various things, you know, from from. Kind of trying to introduce technology to the spaces to make them more efficient and work better um the, those were fine ideas um but you know a standing desk that automatically goes up and down isn't going to change the fate of of your business um on a bigger level you know they tried to create this kind of network this member network which was sort of a you know proprietary linkedin um but linkedin works pretty well Um, for, for what it is. And, and so it's, it wasn't, it was never totally clear what exactly the usefulness would be. So I think, you know, Adam was delusional, but a, a little bit on this front, but, but it was also the kind of tenor of the time and, and what investors wanted the company to be. And, and Adam wanted that and he was willing to kind of push the company to, to try, even if the results weren't you know, weren't yeah, happening clear how they would get there. And the valuation was likely uh, related to it because of this community cash flow or loaded cash flow things concept that they invented that, that's to say, okay, well, it's not only about the desk, it's about all the revenues that you can generate with one member sitting in that desk and that on which was based all the calculation and the valuation. Yeah, it was all about potential. It was all about, yeah. you know, we've got these people who are going to figure out how to different ways to make more money from them and and that just never emerged you know they were trying that for years um whether it was selling you know extra fees for printing to uh trying to sell software to people like it, it and, and none of it really became kind of a meaningful part of the business whereas there was a benchmark on the market already listed company iwg which was mm -hmm. somehow doing the same thing with a, 
a bigger footprint already. Uh, so one thing um, in the book that's like, because um, as far as I remember, we had the feeling that WeWork was generating close to 40% of the revenues from corporates um, in the last years. Um, you, you, you tell about the IBM story and this uh, building that we we learned that it was the building owned by Adam <laughs> that right. had problem with the elevator and things like that. Um, yeah. But it's it, it doesn't seem that this part of the narrative that WeWork was also uh, working on was so important in the total business they were making. Oh, it was just something you you didn't address. Um, you choose not to address that much in the um, in, in the book. I, you know, no, I, I think I think as far as the business model goes, that was crucial. I think in terms of telling the the story of, of, of WeWork's rise and fall, I think, you know, the pursuit of enterprise corporate um, tenants was was what the, the company was was doing. And I, I think in, insofar as we sort of talk about it, it was kind of what it had to do. You know, there's if, if with as many locations and as much space as they had all over the world, there's no way to fill that space with little graphic design firms or, or small companies, you know, they, they needed that. And, and I think even, even more today, they are focusing on, on that and, and trying to present themselves as the kind of place where in this moment where everyone is, is figuring out what the future of real estate looks like to try to pitch themselves to large corporations as, as kind of a way um, uh, a way to adapt their real estate needs, um, and and so so yeah, I, I I do I do think that that was a, a crucial pivot and a controversial one within the company. Many people would have would have preferred to continue to cater to to smaller businesses for a variety of reasons, mm -hmm. um, but I, this is what Adam wanted, and and in in hindsight, I, I don't I don't know that he was wrong, um, given that what given what WeWork was trying to do. So you say, you speak about the rise and fall uh, of WeWork. So you think there is a future for the company or no, you believe there would, would be either uh, broken out or something uh, else will happen. What's your vision on that? They're in a tricky spot. I mean, you know, a year ago, I would have said their main problem was reputational damage, um, you know, that they, had become this kind of laughing stock and so if you were a company going to look for space you might start looking at, at other options for for a variety of reasons um you know the, the the other part of it is is the expectations um softbank has invested more than 10 billion dollars into the company uh which is now worth three billion dollars or so so and and it is as you mentioned that's roughly where IWG is. Um, so the, the problem for WeWork is that somehow it, it has to get back up to being this kind of company that it was aspiring to be. And it now has to do that at a time when there are, are few tougher businesses than, than commercial real estate. And, and so WeWork is pitching itself as kind of, you know, we know how to operate spaces in, in unique and different ways. We have them all over the world. We can meet your needs, whatever they are. Um, I think it's an interesting pitch. Um, it, it could help the company find ways to kind of survive um, in, in the kind of months ahead until things hopefully sort of stabilize. Um, but in, in a long-term way, um, I don't know. I, 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 think, I think if the company um, 
continues to be successful, it will be in a much more humble way. It will be in a, we're a real estate company. We rent out office space. There will be no more of kind of all the other things uh, around the business and, and the sort of grander uh, ambitions that, that Adam had insisted on, on the company having. Um, to, to end this, this conversation, um, what do you think of, what did, have you learned about the co-working industry and based on all this analysis you made of WeWork and, uh, and the need and demand and markets, um, what are your lessons? Do you, what do you, how do you see this market of co-working nowadays? Um, do you believe in it? Um, what, what are the things that indeed, because a lot of the challenges WeWork was um, facing or trying to address actually is, is more at the market level than just the company level. Yeah. Um, I mean, right now, the co-working business is a tough one. Like there's, there's no way around that. I was having a, a conversation with a few co-working operators around the United States, and they're all trying to figure out how to get people to come back, how to operate their spaces safely. And it's just a tough thing to do no matter what. And, and so I, I think in, in the, in the immediate term, um, it's, it's kind of survival mode for, for people, um, in the long run, clearly what we work offered, what coworking offers is, is something that people want. And I think, you know, the moment we're all able to, to be back around each other, I think it, people are going to be even more eager to kind of have these, these spaces that feel community focused. I would say one lesson I take from the WeWork story and, and talking to others in the business is, is, is kind of a sort of be careful what you wish for in terms of, of how big you grow. I, I, I think that I would much rather be a smaller operator right now who has a few spaces in, in a city or maybe two cities to, to have to manage. And, and that may be enough. And that, and that kind of the sort of ambition to grow, 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 I think is, is as much what, what pushed WeWork uh, over the edge as, as any of the problems with the co-working business. Everyone knows that there, there are risks in the business and, and there are dangers, but I think that the core product is, is something people want and, and it's something that, you know, there, there are clearly many other, many, many, many other operators beyond WeWork and I think they'll continue to be offering this for, for years to come once we get on the other side of this horrible mess that we're in. Brilliant. Thank you so much. So the book has just um, uh, come out. It's called Beyond Billion Dollar Loser. Uh, it's available on all the platforms. Um, the cover in Europe is different than the cover, the book cover uh, in, in the US. I, uh, it I is. You have the, do you have the, the sort of skyline, yeah. kind of dark and gloomy? Um, yeah, in, in the US, that's what they went with in, in the UK and in Europe and in the US. It's a, it's a much more colorful illustration of Adam. So different, different tastes, I guess. Yes. Yes. No. Great book. Very, um, it's, it, you can't, you can't, um, put it down before having finished it. Um, and, uh, any translation in, uh, French, the German, Spanish, uh, not, not yet. If, if there's enough enthusiasm, um, I'm sure we can, we can arrange that. So uh, please speak loudly if, if that's something people want. Definitely. Thank you so much, Reeves. Um, take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.